Welcome to our ITB podcast, Let's Talk. Today, we want to talk about offsetting in tourism. So let us first welcome our guests. We have with us today, Moritz Hinze, who is the Managing Director of Book It Green. And we have Kai Landwehr, who is the Marketing Manager and Press Officer of My Climate. Yeah, first, let me shortly introduce myself. I'm Rika Jean-Francois. I'm the Commissioner for um, ITB Social Responsibility, and I'm very much engaged and very passionate about sustainability and responsibility, human rights and tourism, the whole package. So um, I'm, I'm always very happy to welcome people who are also very passionate, and I know that they are. So uh, Moritz Hinze, he's the Managing Director and Founder of Book It Green. And this company really makes the search for sustainable accommodations less complicated. You know, they gather all sustainable accommodation offers. And um, it's, it's not a platform only for um, special conscious travel group, but it's really for everybody who wants to travel more sustainably. And as we all know, there's a raising interest for that. And our second guest is um, Kai Landwehr. He's marketing manager and press officer of the Switzerland-based um, My Climate. There are some very respectable um, offsetting companies, and My Climate is, of course, one of them. Um, it's a nonprofit foundation and aims to promote climate protection through consulting, education, as well as carbon offset projects. And these projects are financed by customers to offset their greenhouse gas emissions. So it's um, two nice guys, and we will start immediately asking them some interesting questions. Well, so let's start. Moritz, I want to ask you, for quite some time during those um, more than two years of the pandemic, many probably thought that the focus on, on sustainability, which we finally, finally had before the pandemic, you know, also due to Greta Thunberg, et cetera, et cetera, might end or have less priority. In fact, well, it seems um, like travelers and companies have not forgotten it and have um, and, and still see an urgent need to act. Um, of course, there's now the war also interfering, but uh, is this your impression too? Do people still care? I think it really depends on what you're looking at. Uh, specifically in tourism, uh, there is the difficulty that the segment of tourism obviously was hit by the pandemic. Um, severely and therefore most companies are just happy that consumers are coming back and are finally traveling again this year and therefore sustainability is back on the menu in a way at least when it comes to communication but the biggest focus right now is getting back on your feet especially for for smaller companies and accommodations that uh, really had difficulties over the last uh, few years. What I can see, and that's also something uh, what ITB does right now, and what I can see also when reading news is that in theory and in communication, sustainability is still important, uh, but the practical aspect of are we really traveling more sustainably, that's something we will have to see over the upcoming years. Hmm. Kai, do you share that or do you see an increased demand on client side? Yeah, hi, Rika, first of all, uh, thanks for having me. Yes, I agree to, to, more, to more its point. So it's interesting because what you've mentioned so that you have an increased demand and interest in sustainability, this is totally true for most parts of the economy. For the tourism sector, a, a sector, as Morris mentioned, was severely hit by, uh, by the pandemic. So yeah, there's 
I think, uh, getting business back on track first strategy, which is absolutely understandable. Also, from the clients, from the consumer side, so there is this need or, or wish or this passion to travel, to travel again, to meet other people, to learn other cultures. So this is coming back and maybe this is pushing real sustainable action a bit backwards. But we have also admit that the travel and the tourism industry, I would say, is one of the forerunners within sustainability within the business because they were sensitized on sustainable issues, uh, I think, for, for more than 10 or almost 20 years. So since we entered the business, so one of our mm -hmm. first uh, our first clients came from this uh, particular industry. Yeah, do, would you think there is a difference um, between leisure and, and business travel segment? Yeah, I would I would say abso absolutely yes. So because the business travel segment, so this is part of the broader sustainability strategy of almost every company. And to set up sustainable goals within the business travel sector is an easy way to do for most of the company. In the best case, they will save money when people travel less. So of course, in the business travel segment, you see a lot of sustainability goals and also sustainability actions. So people are open to, to offsetting, but also open to other alternatives like video conferencing, for instance. So within the leisure sector, this is driven by, by, by the consumer's side, there are many, many thousands of individual decisions. So I think this is, this is harder, absolutely. Hmm. But if you look at the consumers, uh, who would you think within the consumer um, community, uh, who would be the driver behind the, the sustainability movement? Is it the, the greater Thunberg's generation or is it the so-called millennials? And is there, is there a major gap actually between the generations? So what I find quite interesting regarding that is that I would say the Generation C and um, yeah the Greta Thunberg uh, generation, let's say, they definitely push the whole sustainability aspect in tourism from a media perspective, uh, just because of Instagram and TikTok and because of the, all the news that, that report about it. But um, when it comes to where it can be CO2 actually yeah, where can it be reduced? Then we come back to business travel. And that's quite interesting because, of course, every CSR department in every large and smaller company has to care about CO2 emissions. And either there's less travel, which is, of course, good for, for CO2 emissions, but not so good for the tourism industry, um, or there is CO2 compensation. And, and then we come to what Kai is doing in the end, um, which is kind of something in between. And uh, therefore, I would definitely say that from a media perspective, it's the generation C, but from a from a business and, and CO2 perspective, it's definitely the B2B travel. Would yeah, you agree, Kai? Yeah, I agree totally. So if it's, if it's about communications, then of course, this is the younger generation. So they brought the whole topic to, to the public in 2018, 2019. But when it comes down to, to travel, and to concrete action, then it's also a bit difficult when I look to our numbers from our CO2 calculators, for instance. So the people who decide to calculate their emissions and to pay for it and to offset, these are, of course, the elder generation. So and I think primarily this is a question of money. So are you able to pay these, these extra price? So sometimes the younger generations also travel together with the parents. So this is still happening. So And I think that the parents will pay for this. So younger generation try to find alternatives 
for let's say long distance travel uh, but sometimes so if you really want to have great time on the beach or if you really want to discover the world a thing every young uh, person on this planet should do and should be able to do so if it comes to that then yeah of course then you have to decide to travel this long distance travel but maybe you lack the money or the motivation to to do the offsetting or to to, to yeah. book a more greener uh, accommodation for for instance so when it comes to action it is still gen x onwards Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, there are those EasyJet tickets or, you know, and then you can say, okay, I, I want to go there for, for a trip for the weekend, especially now after the, after the pandemic, people are so hungry to travel again. And, and if there's a ticket for 20 euros or whatever, you know, with Ryanair or EasyJet or whatever, um, yeah, people are very happy to, to, to buy it, you know, even so they know that it's bad. And, um, well, EasyJet has made, taken the step to say we compensate all our flights. So do you think then they are in a better position or it's better to fly uh, with, a, with an air company which has already decided to compensate by themselves or do they really compensate? So I think this question goes, goes to me. Yes, so uh, coming to your last question, yes, they do. They really do compensate. So you can question the, the quality of the projects behind it. And you can question the price. And also, you can also raise the question, so what, what, what's the consequences for, for, for the travelers? So can they now book these flights with a very good consigns because everything is done for me. It's totally green packet. So maybe I take instead of one flight, three, uh, three flights per year because I don't have to pay for this. You can also uh, raise this question of motivation. So, but, and I really have to admit this, this is a big step for an airline to say, okay, I calculate all the missions and I also invest pretty much money They could have invested more in better and more qualitative projects, but I invest this money to do this offsetting. So I have to admit that this is a, this is a big step, but there are some questions around because all the time it is better not to fly, but sometimes you need to catch the train and this is absolutely okay. And then it's better you have a flight which is offset than not. Yeah, well, the whole offsetting business, you know, it was often faced with a certain, well, accusation of, of, of greenwashing, you know, because you say you still want to do what you like. Okay, you pay off. It's like selling indulgences in a way, you know. But um, why is it necessary, though? Um, are we beyond this point? What do you think, Moritz? What is your opinion? Yes, I mean, that's maybe a question I can answer because uh, one could say that uh, Kai has um, an obvious opinion on that. Um, but I think in most cases, I would agree with him that compensation is very important. And it's always easy to say, um, hey, compensating is not good. But let's face it, uh, the best in the best case scenario, we don't fly. Uh, the second best scenario is we take the train. The third best scenario is Maybe, let's say, we fly and we compensate, or we don't compensate at all. I mean, there's always uh, a better alternative. And I guess that's something we all have to understand, especially in the tourism industry, that it's not about being 100% green, because if we would want to be 100% green, then we wouldn't be traveling. And, and that wouldn't be good for the tourism industry. Mm -hmm. So it's really steps we have to take to become more sustainable, and also to understand that 
Uh, we need technology and we need compensation to, to become more sustainable. But on the other hand, we also have to consider that we have to travel less or let's say if we travel longer distances, then at least stay longer. And that's something we have to understand. And that's, of course, not in the interest of most tourism companies because they want that we travel frequently and uh, that we spend a lot of money and uh, that it just is something yeah, that we go back to as it was a couple of years ago. And, uh, and therefore, it's always important to talk about the technology aspect uh, where companies like Ryanair can also invest in, but then also uh, talk about compensating and changing the way um, we, we kind of yeah, act when we travel. But but how can now people or customers, consumers, how can they differentiate and identify companies and organizations, you know, with a real uh, sustainable approach or, or people who really um, uh, compensate the whole, do the whole offsetting, not only part of it? You know, are there these black sheeps in the industry? Kai, who are just trying to, to paint everything green? And how can the customer understand who's the real, who's the one who is really um, yeah, serious? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there might be these kind of black sheeps. But I think these black sheeps and their overall number are totally overestimated outside. Because in, in times like these today, it is super risky for a company to do this traditional classic kind of greenwashing. So to have a few fig leaves project and claiming themselves and their project as a green ones and then, but there's nothing, nothing behind because this is a huge reputational risk. We live in very transparent times. We live in times where each and every individual has his own voice via social media. So where one individual can really start a so-called shitstorm. So it's not a, a wise decision in terms in terms of business to do this. So what we see instead is that we have a very critical public opinion on sustainability measures from companies and how to rate them. And there are many people outside who shoot for perfection from a company. And if a company is not perfect, but say we are on the way, we, it's a long time journey, then there are many people outside claiming, hey, this is not sustainable, that's not green, you should change your business to 100% or to turn it to 180 degrees. So, hey, that, that's that's not green. And I think this is, I think, a, a misconception. So we have to consider climate protection and green business in tourism industry and other industries. We have to consider this as a journey. And every mm -hmm. step and the more steps we take now, the better it is for the industry and the overall climate. Mm, yeah, I agree. Sometimes even the baby steps count because it's a it's a beginning. Yeah, would you would you agree too, Moritz, when it comes to accommodation? Yes, I mean I agree with what Kai says that it is a journey. A journey, and on the other hand, the journey can be quicker or it can be you know slower. It's always kind of a decision of the companies uh, that are involved in. And what I definitely can see is that when it comes to accommodations, there are a lot of accommodations that have been thinking about sustainability for decades already, and they are wondering right now why are people starting to follow right now? Is it really uh, a motivation to change something, or is it more about the communication to the end consumer, um, buying certificates, being not really sustainable. So there's always 
you know, the difficulty of on the one hand saying, yes, if we are on the journey to change, it's already a first step and that's great. And on the other hand, hey, let's have proper and high standards uh, that, that actually something is changing. And um, that's still very difficult, I think, um, when it comes to, for example, certifications or also to compensating projects. Uh, it's always good uh, to have someone that, let's say, overlooks all these steps. And uh, most certifications out there um, are not very good when it comes mm -hmm. to sustainability. And I think it's the same with compensation uh, projects. That there are a lot of uh, out there that can't be 100% trusted. Still, it's better than to do nothing. And, and I think, therefore, it's, uh, it's uh, especially important to choose the right partners in that space. Mm. Yeah. So I would I would slight I would slightly disagree. So when it when it comes uh, obviously to this matter of of comp compensation, so there are standards outside. So there's quality criteria in terms of the offsetting projects. The problem with this is a bit that uh, for the end consumers, it's 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 hard to know which mm -hmm. are these standards, which are very trustworthy, which are the, the, the offsetting providers or even the middlemen, which are trustworthy or not. What is the transparency behind the cost structure? So this is really hard within the offsetting, uh, within the offsetting market. And this is also a challenge we face at my climate at a day to day basis. Yeah, I mean, that's difficult with, with CO2, of course. I mean, I have a business partner, um, he co-founded um, Clean Hub, and they are doing compensation when it comes to plastic. And that's, of course, much easier also considering tourism. It can be much easier seen by, for example, consumers if they book a three-star hotel in Thailand, they can actually check how about plastic waste, how is it being treated. It's much easier than, than when it comes to CO2. So, um, yes. Yeah, but it is is really that the um, uh, the consumer certifications not all certifications are well known, so they do not really know whom to trust, you know. And I think with compensation, it's a little bit uh, more profound. But accommodations, as you said, there are thousands, and uh, whoever doesn't change the linen uh, every day already starts to say putting a card like we are very green you know and we are very sustainable so yeah i think consumers are more um uh, do not really know how to walk the talk uh, when it comes to accommodation well you know honestly it, it can be pretty easy the, the difficulty is that most people still don't care um, I mean, when, when we look at the data, maybe 0.1 to 0.2% of people that are traveling actually care about sustainability. And I mean, not just in theory, but actually, you know, practically care about it. Yeah. That means are willing to put in an extra effort, are willing to take the train, are willing to pay a bit more. And, and that's why the big companies like, like TUI or Booking.com or Expedia, or you can, you can pick and choose, they don't see a reason to actually change because for them, from a business perspective, it makes sense to change when we've reached 5 to 10% of consumers that are willing to actually put in an extra effort or an extra buck, let's say, um, to travel sustainably. Uh, it is still more about price, location, and convenience, and uh, sustainability is not in the top three. Yeah, even um, if you look at the research, it says that, well, everybody is, yeah, we want more sustainable travel, but that's... Uh, 
a lot of lip service, you know, actually, that's true. Yes, it is. And the big companies are not are not really, you know, um, uh, spearheading the movement. Uh, they rather uh, want to make money, which is understandable. Uh, but but it's just, uh, you know, um, a thing where we, as I said in the beginning, in theory, people are getting more and more interested, but we have to see how it, how it develops over the upcoming few years. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. It's, sorry, just maybe one thing to yeah. add. So it's also interesting to see that there's adversity from many companies to talk about sustainability and to talk about sustainable measures. And I can totally understand it because the, the promise, the promise of the product they're selling is to provide you with a great time, with the time of your life, with fun, with leisure, all the things. You don't want to start a discussion which raises uh, bad conscience because, hey, you have a great time here, but for the sake of CO2 emissions. So this is really, this, this is a tough communication challenge for many companies within the tourism industry. Yeah, there's That's some great. good ideas like engaging the consumer as well. So once they really know They can get engaged in the yeah. In it's the awesome, outcome. right? Right. I mean, engagement, building community, but it's the same thing, you know. As Kai just mentioned, most people they have two, three, four weeks vacation a year. They don't want to be engaged. They don't want to talk. They don't want to discuss. They want to have a proper, nice vacation. And in the in the perfect scenario, the hotel um, or the accommodation takes care of the sustainability aspect, and they can believe it that they are actually doing it. And and that's that's where we have to take a few more steps to actually be. Mm -hmm. Well, um, coming back to the to to the offsetting itself, um, I mean, companies are now obliged, you know, to have CSR policies, and a lot of uh, business travelers, as you said, they're already compensating because they have to. So, uh, what kind of projects are you actually uh, engaged at the moment, and is there like a geographical focus, Kai? So yeah, we we have a large variety of projects within our current portfolio. Still, most of our projects uh, are located within developing or also least developed and emerging countries. So this is, has a historical perspective coming from the the old uh, governmental framework of the Kyoto Protocol. But we have more and more. We see more and more projects also locally here in the consumer markets in Switzerland, in Germany, in Austria, also in in. Northern, Northern Europe, and there's one interesting development. So there's a rising demand on so-called nature-based solution projects. So the typical reforestation projects, but also soil enhancement projects, peatland restoration projects, mm -hmm. uh, seagrass, all these kind of stuff. And uh, it's it's absolutely understandable because these projects uh, are are touchable, feasible. People know what's going on there. This, this, these projects also, hey, everyone likes to see uh, a tree and you understand that trees uh, may be the, the, the oldest mach machines in this world to capture CO2 out of the atmosphere. So this, uh, I think this is not just a, a, a moment. So this is, this is a long-term trend that we see more and more nature-based solution pro projects and we have to because the typical uh, offsetting projects are mitigation projects so you save co2 mm. emissions and other place by replacing um, fossil energy with renewable ones or by energy efficiency measures but this has let's say this has a deadline maybe in 10 years in 15 or in 20 years and so mm. we, we will come to the time to the point of time where we have to take the CO2 back from the atmosphere. And still today, and I'm pretty sure in 10 and 15 years, nature-based solutions will be the best projects to do so. 
Mm-hmm. But if the customer, I mean, they they ask already for it for a more local approach. How do they learn about it? I don't. I I I dare say that a lot of people still are not aware at all. What is really? What does it mean if you compensate? Which projects are there? What are we doing? Where is it happening? You know, I think we need a lot of uh, awareness raising. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we need, but this this awareness raising should not bring the majority people to the decision to only support local offsetting projects because it's always good to have local action. But these international projects, especially projects in least developed countries, have many positive side benefits. So and it's not only about catering CO2, it's also to build up uh, resilience for local communities. It's about protecting local ecosystems. So I think in the future we will see kind of mixed offers with local action on the one side. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to support what Kai is saying, I, I've seen more and more LinkedIn posts and news reports about people um, and companies that meet up in their team and plant trees in the Odenwald or somewhere else in Europe. And let's be honest, they can maybe plant 10 trees in an afternoon, uh, but considering how much time they didn't spend working and didn't make money, if they would just use this money to compensate what the company is doing uh, in the in the global south, the impact would be way, way bigger when it comes to CO2 compensation, but also when it comes to to actually employing people um, over there in the global south. So sometimes it's also just a little bit of an of a, of a discussion um, that is just for the front, uh, let's say, or for the TV and the news, and not so much for the actual impact that is happening. Yeah. There we have the greenwashing in a way. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call it greenwashing because, you know, that uh, greenwashing would imply that the motivation is wrong, but I think yeah. the motivation is good. So as Kai mentioned, hey, yes, let's have a day um, on, on Friday afternoon and plant some trees together, but let's call it, uh, let's not call it a CO2 compensation event, rather a teamwork event and let's properly CO2 compensate with a project uh, where actually yeah the numbers are, are kind of relevant. Yeah of course and it's much better than yeah eating hamburgers somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. So. so yeah it let's come a little bit because uh, time is running just sustainability and economic success. So uh, a lot of companies, as we already touched before a little bit on it, they they sometimes fear that investing in sustainability would mean jeopardizing their economic success. Um, are you often faced with this kind of skepticism if you, you know, talk about your your startup or what kind of challenges are there? Can being sustainable and making good money uh, work together? Yes, of course. I mean, what is quite interesting, especially when we talk about the tourism segment, is if you are very, very sustainable. So if it is 100% something you have in your genes, let's say, as in a way, as a hotel, as a company, then you will be very, very successful from a, from a financial standpoint, which means all the five-star bio hotels in Germany and all the, let's say, tiny houses that are being built in nature right now, they are booked more or less the whole year because they know how to communicate what they are actually doing. The difficulty from an economic standpoint comes um, when we have let's say, accommodations or companies that are starting to invest in sustainability, so they care, uh, but the impact of the investment cannot yet be seen. And then it's very difficult because then the economic upside doesn't exist yet, uh, but 
Uh, and, and they maybe get a backlash for greenwashing. And that's something where we just have to admit that if a company or an accommodation is on a journey, it's a good mm. journey. And then, of course, when it comes to platforms and other uh, businesses that are involved in tourism, but not uh, not accommodations, I mean, Book It Green is the largest uh, the largest platform for sustainable holiday accommodations in the Dach region. Um, and my co-founder and I were working on it part-time, which means in the evenings, you know, that gives us an idea um, that there is no way yet to make a proper living out of sustainability and tourism if you are not the owner of an hotel or, or other accommodations um, that are that are kind of eco. Um, that's also what I would recommend if you want to dive into that business. Mm -hmm. There are so many startups out there, like Raus, for example, Raus.life, I think, uh, that are building um, uh, that are building tiny houses in the nature. They're doing an mm -hmm. awesome job. Um, but accommodations have to be involved, and then you can make some money because there are enough people out there um, that, that want to spend their money on vacation, and they consider sustainability as something important um, when they are at home, and therefore they also uh, want to uh, yeah, want to have the sustainability aspect when they're on vacation. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it's really an investment in the future. Yeah. I, if some of your clients are um, asking, well, I'm a small company, uh, for me it's a lot of money, what do you tell your clients? Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, many times we have to say, yeah, this 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 is true, and we totally understand your situ situation. So, because the initial investments, uh, I think Morris had stated it, the initial investments are investments. They are in the balance sheet on the on the on the left side, on the red side, on the minus on the minus side, and you don't see in a short time the benefit from it so you really have to think about how can you cover the costs for it and if you do the measurement of your co2 footprint first this is most of the time this is consultancy there are some more optimized uh, solutions outside which will provide you with a result but then you have to deal with the results so you have to take the right conclusions so how can i improve and how can i communicate this and what is the best area to act now so in this costs manpower and so this means this costs money but there are some obvious steps you can take so if you build up your company if you build up a startup you can take this into consideration from the from the early beginnings mm -hmm. and also and this is i think also in other interesting aspects so it could become also very costly and could be highly risky for you as a company if you don't engage because exactly. there's there's the demand for sustainable projects from the consumer side. Mm -hmm. There is a rising demand, a strong rising demand, especially here in Europe, from the governmental side. So new regulations are coming up. And also, and not the, the least demand, from the financial sector. So if you want to get, to, to get capital from the financial sector, it could happen, and I'm pretty sure this will happen more and more, that people at least ask you, so what is your what is your stand on sustainability? And there's something you have to prove that you take this into consideration that you try to develop your project your product in a more sustainable way. So these these pressure points are really things companies have to consider today. Mm. I think that's the same for for the uh, from a, a startup perspective, right? I mean, nobody should start a business now nowadays without uh, putting it in the DNA of the company from the very beginning. 
Well, it really it really depends, you know. In a way, it's also just just uh, talk because let's look at the most successful startups and companies out there. None of them are sustainable yet, which doesn't which doesn't mean that in ten years the most successful startups won't be sustainable. But right now, if you look at the gorillas out there, let's be honest, they have nothing. Yeah. Um, uh, in, 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 but there are business models. There are methods to do it in a sustainable and economically stable yes, way. Yes, they are. And compared to, uh, let's say, I mean, we can just take gorillas and alpaca, for example, from Berlin. Uh, they are maybe one percent of what gorillas um, of what gorillas is, and that's exactly the same thing in the tourism segment. But that doesn't mean that that we can't change. I mean, what I find interesting about what Kai said is, if you decide to invest then you should invest in sustainability because that's that makes most sense. And um, when I go crazy in a way is when people uh, start investing in new hotels or in new accommodations and they don't consider sustainability because that just doesn't make sense. Right now, if you build a new hotel, if you build a new accommodation wherever and, and, and you want to have, let's say, people that have enough money to come to you, so have a high standard, then you have to consider sustainability and most new projects out there also do it. So actually sustainability in a way is the essential success factor for the future. You both agree? In, in theory, definitely. But as I said, right now, it's still location, price and convenience. Um, yeah. These are the three top uh, success factors and let's hope that uh, that, that will change. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I can, uh, I can also do a statement here because uh, I would say sustainability has always been the key success factor for business because not only we have three dimensions of sustainability. So we have the economic, the social and the ecological perspective of sustainability. So the so-called triple bottom line. And what we have seen in the past is it was kind of a Mickey Mouse economy. So we have this large circle of uh, economic sustainability. And then we have these small round ears uh, on the top for the social and for the ecological part. And now for sustainable companies, I think these circles will have not maybe almost the same sizes. So uh, and this ecological part is, I think, will become an integral part for any um, successful business in the future. Yeah, that's a nice picture, actually. So we are we are proceeding to the end of our uh, deep talk today. So a little look into the future. How would you imagine, like uh, normal, classic? Um, as well as startup companies uh, to to deal with sustainability five years from now, what will be achieved by then? Can we be uh, optimistic, uh, or what kind of challenges do you think will still remain? Yes, I hope so. Um, so what I would definitely say is that the the companies that are not able to become super sustainable. They shouldn't just talk about it, but that they should use compensation methods uh, to, to actually compensate at least what they are doing, and they have to be honest about it. And the ones that can consider sustainability as one of their key success factors, uh, what I found out is uh, that you shouldn't become a company and say, I'm sustainable and I'm doing X. You should say, I'm doing X and it is sustainable. That makes more sense, and that is also um, what we need in the long run. And of course, that needs uh, the support of the consumer on the one hand, but also um, from the government and uh, from from companies themselves to be ready to invest and uh, and yeah, just go into a more sustainable future together. Mm, thank you, and Kai. 
Yeah, maybe maybe briefly because I would agree on everything Morris had said. But I think in five years from now we would see even more communication, but not uh, not more just talking or giving new narratives. So more communication in terms of more transparency uh, regarding sustainability. So I really hope for this. And more communication also will go along with more action within the tourism industry. So the tourism industry, highly depending on traveling, will be one of the last uh, industries globally, I think, where we can reach net zero but I think this this industry is still very much sensitized, and uh, I, I look very positively within in the future. Good. Do you have a special wish for the future? I have a I have a wish. So what I would say is my biggest wish over the last couple of years um, is, especially in the tourism industry, uh, is that we don't talk about either or so either we don't travel at all or we invest in in sustainability and technology it has to be both so we have to change how we travel um, but also have to look at the technology aspect and then change will actually be happening thank you yeah. and hi yeah and yeah my my wish is is, is a simple one so uh, i hope that we can manage uh, the the traveling and the tourism in a more sustainable way, and at the same time, that we also that we can bring more people, and more guests and more travelers within this industry, because still traveling and tourism is a phenomenon uh, in in Europe, in Middle Europe, Northern Europe, also in Northern Americas, to all people in the world. So, and if we can manage to have both more people traveling and to do this more sustainable, that would be my wish. That sounds so good. <laughs> Thank you both. So, yes, that was the ITB podcast for today. That was ITB Let's Talk. I'm Rika Jean-Francois from ITB Berlin. I'm the commissioner for CSR, and I thank you both very, very much. And, um, yeah, we have a common goal. <laughs>